Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Toxin Tasting Studio for the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm sort of a Bullhagen. I'm Gretchen. I'm an office supervisor at a Lutheran church. Yeah, so uh, Bullhagen and Vicar are predisposed today. We had Bullhagen here in Kansas City, and then uh, some pastor stuff came up. So he is far too busy to record a podcast, and Vicar's tagging along. Tagging along. So yeah, uh, one of those little things called a funeral. Yeah, that he's this, done like two hundred times. It's overrated, right? Like people yeah. get around, and they cry. Uh, he's he's just got to be awakened up after his uh, turkey coma. That's correct. So. Uh, yeah, I had to struggle, not struggle, scramble to put a podcast together. And who do I have in the house but a office administrator? Or not office administrator, what do you call yourself? Well, my title's officially office supervisor, but I'm a church secretary. You're a church secretary. Yeah. So I thought it might be cool, and you you worked with me here, to uh, kind of get your perspective on being a church secretary. Yes, I, I'm glad to, although it's kind of like coming into Mecca, entering the Bat Cave, Peter's Bat Cave. Yeah, it's, it's you know, not quite as big as the spacious Toxin Tasting Studio. I, should have, I shouldn't have said I was, we were in the Toxin Tasting Studio, because we aren't. Well, we're in the extension office of the Toxin Tasting yeah, Studio. We're, we're, we're in the editing den. Yes, right? yeah. yes, we're in the editing den. But since it's a Toxin Tasting Studios, we may as well talk about what we're drinking, right? Gotta stay that's with true, tradition. That's true, you're right. Yes, yeah, so well, I don't know how I'm not running the show. You're running the show. I am <laughs> for today. I suppose I am. So, what do you have for what do you have? For, what are you drinking? I am drinking Jingle Bell Java. Jingle Bell Java. Yes, it is a coffee. My husband doesn't like fancy coffees, but I kind of like them. And we got a batch of all sorts of different coffees. So this is Jingle Bell Java, and it's got cinnamon, pecan, and rum. I can't taste. There's no real rum in it, but it's. Oh, supposed so to be rum flavored. Rum flavored. Yes, okay. although no one would really know if I had rum in there or not. I mean, there's you're in the editing den, so there's tons of alcohol sitting directly yes, behind you. That's part of the back cave, I guess. I guess. Yes, and and in true um, fashion, after hosting Thanksgiving for 18 people here, uh, uh, we ran out of creamer ran for my creamer. coffee, and I needed. So then I thought, well, I'll, I'll take some milk. We ran out of milk, and then I said, well, we had half and half. Where'd the half and half go? Uh, we ran out of that. So I am in holiday spirit. I've added a big dollop of whipped cream on top because I like cream in my coffee. Yeah, that works. So, I, For a second, I thought you were going to say sour cream, and I was going to be very No, confused. No, 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 not sour cream, not cream fresh, not no, just whipped cream out of a can. Out of a can. It's fancy. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I I made everything else homemade, but the whipped cream had to be easy. That's fair. Yeah. I've got regular old water. I had my sneak earlier to uh, hype myself up, and now I'm just running with water. What flavor was your sneak this morning? Uh, it was a uh, stealth flavor. I think it's like an apple. One of those on your pyramid of different flavors of energy drinks, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's on the list. It's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Just ordered some new one called a. Uh, I think it's called just Rainbow Sprinkle or something. It's yeah. a, it's called that because it's it apparently 
cycles through many different flavors. So you taste it and it tastes like one thing and then you hit, get hit with citrus and it's, you know, I don't. But it, it stays one color though when you're drinking. Oh well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't expect it to separate. Maybe they, that would be cool if they could manage to do that. Yeah. So. That would be kind of cool. So you are a church secretary. I am. And I have a lot of experience with the, one of the pastors behind the collar being my baby brother Uh uh-oh yes do you have anything you want to say uh that maybe maybe he would be uh embarrassed to uh put out on the air he doesn't know we're doing this by the way no he is completely in the dark which is kind of fun and kind of dangerous for him i think yeah we're we're gonna upload this and he's gonna go what yeah (laughs) what'd you do (laughs) yeah yeah carl was fun growing up with that's for sure he's two and a half years younger than me so Bullhagen is, but he's much taller than me for sure. What's, what's the, what's the grossest thing he ever did? Oh my gosh. The grossest thing he ever did. I, it, it was, it made me run screaming. He was out. He was like, oh, I want to say fourth grade. And he, we were living in Southern Illinois and we got a big snowfall. And he had a best best uh, friend who he was out playing. He They built snow forts. They did lots of stuff. And they were out there for hours and hours, basically all day long in the freezing cold playing in the snow. And mom said it was time to come in for dinner. And would you, would you go tell Carl to come in for dinner? And they were playing outside my parents' bedroom window. So I went over to the window and I knocked on the window and motioned to him like, you know, time to eat. And he took one look at me and... This is gross. It's re- you asked for gross. You're going to get gross. I did. He snotted out his nose and it dripped down about a foot and a half. This humongous trail is like lava flow of snot that came out of his nose. Because, <laughs> of course, when you're in fourth grade and you're playing out in the snow, you don't bring a Kleenex. What's a Kleenex? You know, so you just he do a just, farmer's blow, you know. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that much snot was ca- any person was capable of making that much snot. <laughs> And then I started screaming. And then he, the, the thing that really was a kicker is after it was hanging down that far, he sucked it all back in. Oh. After it was out and cold. And then, and then I was just screaming and I could barely even eat dinner that night because it was just like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's one of the grosser. Yeah. Farmers blow. The number one rule is uh, blow away from the wind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you bring up farmers, too. There was one time when we were on a family vacation, and we went up to Minnesota to a cattle farm where my dad had one of his first parishes. And um, it was actually my uh, um, Bullhagen's godfather's farm. And we went up there, and we stayed for them for a few days, and we were kind of getting introduced to cattle farms because when we were where we were, it was... Um, we were in Phoenix for a while, and then we were in Southern Illinois, which is more farming than, you know, crops mm-hmm. rather than livestock. And um, the cows were all in, in the barn, and my dad thought it would be kind of funny. So he went out to the, the barn up against the fence there, and he started uh, preaching a sermon to the cows. <laughs> 
And the cows kind of looked at him, and then they just all kind of wandered away. And then Carl was, I think, five, maybe six. And he knew he knew he was going to be a pastor from the time he was first, you know, five, four or five years old. He just knew all the time he was going to be pastor, and that was that. It was never any question of what he was going to do. So he thought, well... If dad can preach a sermon, I can go preach a sermon. So he he climbed up on a couple of rails of the fence and was standing at the top of the fence and just started preaching a sermon to the cows. And they all gathered around him and were paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the pastor had been a pastor for quite a while preaching and they all leave. And then my little five-year-old, six-year-old brother was gathering the cows around him. You got to think, right? Is that because uh, your little brother was... A good preacher? Was that because your dad was just boring? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with the smell of manure. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to get on topic a little bit more. All so right. All right. You are a office administrator. Uh, how how um, big is your congregation that you do? You work with? Um, the congregation I work at is about fifteen hundred baptized. Oh. And it's it's been growing slightly. Um, we really haven't had a down year. I mean, during COVID, it was kind of the same, maybe growing a little bit slower. But when I first came, it was around 14, 20, something like that. So it's grown. And I've been there 10 years now. Congratulations. So, yeah. So it's about 1,400 and we have, or 1,500 now. And um, there are two campuses. So, um, and there's just... One administration location for both campuses, um, they wanted to do that because it seemed like a more fiscally responsible thing rather than having duplication of administration just to have it all at one campus. Yeah, it's all you know, within 15-minute drive. Yeah, yeah. So They're not that far away. We rotate campuses when we have staff meetings and things, so. So you have, that's a bigger church than a lot of, maybe a lot of our listeners are used to because, you know, we're- yeah. A lot of our listeners are rural area, you know, maybe 300, 400. Yeah. You know, less than 100 on a Sunday sometimes, depending. Yeah. You know, um, so it's a big shift. Have you spent any time in a smaller church? Yeah. Um, well, growing up as a pastor's kid, you know, you kind of get the behind the scenes of all sorts of different sizes of churches. I don't really remember the churches when I was really little because I was born when dad was fourth year at the SEM. Um, but the earliest I remember was a church in Phoenix and that was a pretty small church. Um, I don't remember exactly what the membership was. I'm going to say maybe two to 300, something like that. And then there was a church in, in Southern Illinois and that was a little bit bigger than that. Um, I want to say maybe 350, something like that. And then as an adult, I've been a member of several different congregations. One was a, an inner city church um, that had been a humongous church back in the 40s, especially 30s, 40s. And then, you know, inner city, things happen. But they've stayed, they've stayed alive and they're doing a good ministry down there. Um, been a member of a church in Florida that had I don't know, like 22,000, 2,500 members. Wow. Yeah. That was a fun church to be a part of, big music program, and only one full-time pastor. One pastor? One full-time pastor. They had a parish administrator, and they would have some vicars. Um, 
but the one full-time pastor was an amazing man because um, my husband and I visited there and we came back the next Sunday because we liked the service and the people were welcoming. And the pastor remembered our names. He could remember, he was gifted in remembering names. So the very second Sunday we went, we attended, he knew our names. He called us by name and that just floored us. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I have trouble remembering names when someone introduces themselves to me. I forget it in a minute or two and have to ask again. So to have that good of a memory and that many people, and he could call everybody by name. That's pretty cool. Do you, what's the biggest difference you think between like uh, the functioning of a big church versus a small church? Um, I think the functioning of a big church requires obviously more staff, but probably a little more diversified of a staff um, because it's not like you can have, you know, three, four pastors that are all just general pastors because then they'd be stepping on each other's toes Well, who's visiting whom and what's the, you know, I think when the larger you get, um, it's probably a good idea to have pastors who are more geared towards specific ministries where you have a senior pastor over the head of everyone. Um, and then you have different pastors with different jobs. Like the church I'm in now, we have a, where I'm working now has a senior pastor who's like, the administrative pastor, and he oversees the big picture of everything. Then we have one pastor whose main purpose is to be the pastor of the satellite or the second campus. And then a third pastor, full-time pastor, who is um, what they call a discipleship pastor. So he really works on small groups and Bible study aids and that kind of a thing. Okay, cool. So, yeah. So, and how many, you said you have three pastors then, and how many staff roughly do you have? Um... I would have to count as about 10. 10, okay. 10, yeah. Yeah, three full-time pastors, um, two DCEs, a preschool director, an administrator, me. Um, There are a couple of part-time admin people, very part-time, maybe five, 10 hours a week. So. A lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's fun working with a staff that big. It's got its own challenges, but it's it's kind of fun. And it's it's nice because since there are two campuses and three pastors, they don't have to be preaching every single Sunday and they can rotate taking vacations and stuff, which is really hard at small rural churches. You know, hard to do. So you brought a top 12 list. I did. So let's did. get into that. Now you can say it. Okay, Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right, so what's your top 12 list? Well, you know, I had Olivia help me write it, my daughter. Mm-hmm. So, because um, it's like, well, there's so many different ways I could go with this, and I, how do I condense it down into some points that kind of make sense, so... Um, so yeah, why don't we just get right into number 12? Well, let's, what's your, what's the title? Oh, the topic is the top 12 things your church secretary wished you knew. Okay. So, you know, kind of behind the scenes from behind the scenes. Yeah, sure. So it's like behind the collar, but you don't wear a collar. I don't wear a collar. No. <laughs> behind the collar of a church secretary. <laughs> I don't, behind the keyboard, maybe. I don't know. There you go. Behind the screen. <laughs> behind the phone. Yeah. 
Number 12. The church office does more than your Sunday bulletin. What does that mean? All right. So um, a lot of times members don't understand exactly what the church office does all the time. You can kind of get a general idea, but there's so much more that goes into it besides the Sunday mor- the bulletin on a Sunday morning that members pick up. So... Um, it kind of brings to mind all the different memories of things that I've done where I work that are just some normal things and some wild and crazy things you'd never expect, you know, a church secretary to do. So um, it's it's just much more all-encompassing than you might expect because I, I've organized closets and I've figured I've had to be trained on how to um, handle emergencies in the elevator and, um, you know, a toilet will back, toilet will back up. And if, you know, we don't have a, a janitorial, full-time janitorial person. So we have a service that comes in, but they can't handle those kind of emergency situations. So if the administrator has gone, well, guess what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm water the plants. I've, um, I've set up a live stream. I, you know, the administrator and I, when, we moved into COVID, we originally had been um, recording services and we had someone, a worship leader, I forgot to mention the staff, we have worship leaders too, um, organists and stuff, but a worship leader had been actually doing all the editing to put the, the videos together and then we just put them out on a Sunday. But then we had to go to live stream because it was just taking too much time and resources you know, talking about behind the scenes, you know, you know what it takes from a podcast point of view to put a podcast together. Absolutely. You know, then add video to it and then all the music that has to go into it, you know, performing and, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So it's getting to be a lot and we figured it would be much better from a time perspective to actually go to live stream. So I was helping and set up a live stream. You know, I've, I've had to call 911 on occasion. I've, um, got a wet dry vac and uh, had to suck up water from the basement that was leaking and set a timer to go down every 45 minutes and be trained in CPR and all sorts of different kinds of things. So multi-talented, multi, well, I don't know if it's talent or just multi-willingness, I guess (laughs) (laughs) you have to kind of go with the flow. You never quite know what to expect. Number 11. Um, I appreciate it when I am invited to events and I can enjoy them with the membership. So um, a lot of the time, you know, I'm sitting behind a desk, I'm running around the building and it's business. Um, But in order to really serve the membership better, it's nice to have interaction. Um, I actually attend a church that's a different LCMS church than where I'm working. And so originally it was a little bit harder to learn names because you're, you know, you're just doing your job, basically. Um, So it's really nice when members stop in to say hello, um, if they're not, you know, taking up an hour's worth of my time and trying to visit. And that does happen, which is fine. But to be invited, you know, we have um, a seniors group that gets together weekly for Bible study and they'll have special events. It's really nice to just go down and have fellowship with them when I can just enjoy their company and not have to be worried about um, 
all the details of the event or, you know, what's going on back up in the office. Sure. And you've, you've told me in the past, some of your, your favorite friends or, um, you know, members from, from the church you work at, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, there's, you told me about the guy who built a a wooden clock. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We have an, an old member, Fred, he's one of the older ones in our congregation and, he, he, you know, it's it was really hard on the elderly during the pandemic because they were just so isolated. And he thought, well, he had he came in and he had me photocopy plans for building a clock, and that was his pandemic project. And he built the entire clock out of wood, and it ran and kept time. And it was a it was. It didn't have a case to it. He. It was an open clock, so you could see all the workings of it. It's just fantastic. But he was so proud to come in and show that clock. It was just amazing. So just to see the personality of the members and to have to have that interaction with them is just. It's it's one of the wonderful things about the job. You know, it makes it makes the the sometimes the meaning menial and the. Rep- repetitive work um a little more meaningful awesome yeah number 10 well i talked about one of the perks is getting to know the members but number 10 is there are perks perks so perks to the job um one of one of the biggest perks i think is um it has worked out being a being a church secretary has worked out for family life really well because you know the pastors have families they know what it's like so if i have um a a family emergency come up or you know something they understand and i and they know and they trust me that i'm i'm gonna get things caught up and so i can take time when i need to take time um but then there are other just kind of what i'll call quirky perks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know the the occasional time when people bring their babies in or sometimes they bring their puppies in i get to hold dogs and um i i get to take a lot of baked goods home <laughs> so you know with those bible studies that happen every week they're you know lutherans are known for food so i get to take baked goods, baked goods home i get lots of uh, hugs from people um, I'm glad that that's finally stepping up again after the pandemic because it was just kind of hard. You know, you just can't mm-hmm. hug anybody. But now we're we're kind of getting past that and I get to hug people again. Um, I get to take home flowers occasionally. You're big into flowers. I am big into flowers. I love flowers. Silk flowers, fresh flowers, plants, that things, that kind of thing. So it's really nice if... if um, they're, the flowers aren't picked up or, you know, we'll, we'll send them out to shut-ins and um, for birthdays and things like that. But when they're not picked up or delivered, then I get to take some home, which is, is a perk. Um, I get to borrow tables and chairs once in a while or, you know. Did you end up doing that for this Thanksgiving? Did you? I didn't. I had to do a very careful count. And I was actually able to come up with enough tables and chairs for 18. Because I think the last the last big event you held here... We did end up getting a bunch yes. of tables. And- yes, I had to get tables. Now I could, I have the benefit of, I have a key, obviously to the church where I work and I also have a key to the church where I attend. So I can always borrow stuff from two different churches. How'd you swing that? Well, you know, when you're, 
you get involved enough in a church, they're like, we're tired of letting you in. <laughs> Just have a key. Plus, Bob, my husband plays the organ. So in order to practice on evenings and weekends, it was just helpful for him to have a key. Okay, that makes sense. So Yeah. But it really came in handy this Thanksgiving because I can also borrow fridge space. Oh. So, you know, we've got just one fridge. And when you're having a big meal for that many people, we... Bob, we thought, well, we oven space is at a, at a premium. So we thought, well, we better cook the turkey the day before. So we did the turkey the day before, but then it's like we don't have fridge space to put it back in the fridge to warm it up on Thanksgiving. So Bob finished cooking the turkey around 1 a.m. and was over at church, putting it in the church fridge at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> no one else knows that until now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Just one of those little extra perks. Awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like having two extra families that you can just, hey, I need to borrow some of your fridge space. Oh, okay. Whatever. Here's a key. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine. Number nine. We are frontline spiritual caregivers. Now, what does that mean? Well, unless a church is a really, really small church... Most of the time, a lot of the time, the pastor's not going to answer the phone. So I'm the front line for people who walk in and for people who call, uh, especially those who are just needing needing care. So um, the church I'm at, it's, you know, like I said, it's a larger church and we have people who come in all the time um, who are down on their luck and they need, I've had some strange requests besides just food, money, gas, money. Um, you know, I, I need some money for buying a pair of shoes or I need some money to get some medication for my wife. Um, so just different kinds of things. So I do have a small, um, a budget that I can distribute. So I help out with assistance programs. Um, during the pandemic, we also, the church I'm at also opened a food pantry and you would be surprised how many people we have come through we do it twice a month and their thanksgiving broke our record we had over 200 families come through yeah so but you know when people call in or come in they need to talk to someone and i need to figure out where to route them so i i have to find out what their situation is um figure out if they a lot of times they'll call come in asking for a pastor and they really don't need pastoral counseling they just need physical help in which case i'll give them you know a gas card or something um but sometimes they really do need counseling um and if a pastor is in then i have to figure out okay which would be the best person for them to talk to sometimes the pastor's not in and so i'll give them to a dce sometimes no one else is in and i'll wind up counseling them myself just and mainly i'm not a trained counselor it's mainly just listening and then praying with them to seeing what they need, you know, giving them a devotional book and a Bible or whatever. Um, you know, members die, and sometimes I'm the first one that has to talk to them when they call in to schedule a funeral. Um, sometimes staff people are having difficulties, and, you know, there was one pastor who had a really rough time in his personal life, and I would go into his office periodically and just pray with him, you know. Help him get it, get through it. Number eight. Marketing matters. <laughs> <laughs> and marketing. That's marketing. Yes. Okay. So, 
that's that's one that my daughter put the wording on that one, marketing matters. But it it kind of you don't want like to think of a church as marketing, you know. Right. That sounds very corporate. It sounds it sounds corporate and impersonal and businessy and not spiritual, you know. But coming from my background, I have a little bit of a skill. Um, I'm an English major. I was an English major in college. Um, and I was always trying to figure out, well, you know, there are only so many different jobs that an English major can do. Um, but one of them, it works out really well in a church office. But the other thing then that I did is when I graduated from college, um, they were just getting a brand new English internship program going at the, the university I went to, and they didn't have any straight up English internships. So I I was put into a marketing internship. Okay. And I, I, my internship was marketing for the United Way. So I got to understand how um, the charitable, you know, different charities work. Because um, United Way, you know, you have one number that people can call in and they're routed to charities that would be able to help them out in the best way possible. Right. Know? And there are, you know, lots of local ones, like different chapters, you know. Right. And different charities handle different things. Some will do food, some will do clothing, some will do career guidance, and some will do housing. So I got I got to understand that part of it. But then, um, since I had marketing background, I actually did marketing. I was a marketing manager for a couple of different architectural firms. So I got to understand how... Can I interrupt you? And yeah. Can I ask you to say the story about the astronaut the astronaut oh my goodness okay okay so i was working at an architectural firm in orlando and it was a really cool job because i was a marketing manager for a satellite office of a company out of texas and the orlando firm did a lot of architecture for Disney and Universal, and since they're close to the Space Coast, they did projects for NASA and things. So they designed the Saturn V Rocket Plaza Museum, basically, down at NASA. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I had to put together the marketing materials on that, you know, get all the the drawings and renderings put together. And then, you know, because obviously when you do a project like that, you get all the background material and you use that to market to get other projects. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then as a part of that, then there was a grand opening event. And so it was kind of cool. It was a, we, we were there the day before setting up and uh, getting some materials out on the firm. And then the, the principals of the firm and everybody in the architectural team then got to go to the black tie event. So when we were setting up astronauts were there. So I got to meet Gene Cernan and, um, of course, my husband, he actually was invited to come along with me because it was just kind of a cool thing and spouses were invited. So he came along and um, so Gene Cernan was actually flirting with me. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> and he's like a foot shorter than I am, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was funny because we got to the black tie event and I'm, you know, dressed in my formal gown and Bob's in his tux and everything. And it was just so weird to have Gene Cernan walk up to me and call me by name and start flirting with me in front of my husband. 
<laughs> it was just like, oh my goodness. So yeah, Bob still calls him a twerp. <laughs> <laughs> he he could put up with it, but you know. <laughs> so that was that was one of the unusual, not necessarily a perk. The black tie event was a perk, but being flirted with wasn't necessarily a perk mm-hmm. of that job. But so where was I? <laughs> Sorry, back to marketing. <laughs> so um since I had a marketing background, um, it it really ha- it gave me a mindset of how much the way you put together a message mat- matters, and the way it looks, and how you can how what you design can make a difference in the impact it makes on people. And so I've I've really been able to apply that when it comes to a church office because, um, for instance, when we have a fundraising campaign. If you can make all the materials look really professional, if you can have a, a, a great appearance on a good web page for it, standardized colors, a logo for it, uh, you just keep hitting people with the same color scheme and image and photos over and over again, and they're more likely to remember it, and it's more likely to build up excitement about it. Um, so making things, cre- using creative ways to make things appealing to people. And I, you know, you don't want to necessarily think of clickbait, but you want people to read what you're putting out there so they know all the exciting things that the church is doing. And so you're really promoting what's going on to get people to um, want to volunteer for your things. Yeah. So. Do you have a favorite uh, marketing that you put out for the church ever? Well, one of the, one of the fun things that I came up with was, um, we want to really promote the different seasons of the church year. And really we're trying to come up the, the, the mark, the, I wanted to say marketing team, the worship committee, since we're at a big church, we have a whole committee that helps to put together worship and we like to get creative ideas for worship to make it more meaningful for people. And so um, one of the things that we've done is I create paper banners that we can put up for festival Sundays. And then I custom design the bulletin graphics to match the banners. So for instance, Christ the King Sunday, um, I had a, a banner that had a big, like a sunburst and a real regal looking crown. And so we had um, paper banners are like four feet high and one foot wide, hanging all up um, the sanctuary. And then the graphic on the front of the bulletin matched that with the the crown, the kingly crown on the front. It's very satisfying. It is. And when people take note of it and mention it, that it really was a neat idea and added to their worship, it's nice. Another another thing is to just create, you know, we have a a mission statement or a a vision theme that we're in right now. And the, the pastors developed it and it's, very simplistic enough. It's just three words, up, in, out. And um, what does that mean? It, it's it's fun because the the up theme is related to how we're worshiping, and we always turn our eyes to God, and how he he is the leader of the church, and our focus should be on worshiping God and and. Um, our relationship with God and our personal Bible study, attending worship, that kind of a thing. That's the up portion. 
the in portion is relating to um, the fellowship between members and how we want to really promote having members get to know each other, um, fun events, potlucks, um, get-togethers, movie nights. Um, they've even done um, NFL viewing events, um, all sorts of different fun events. Just because the church, the, you know, you really want your church fellowship to be a family yeah it's, it's a community it's a community you know and the closer people are together the more likely they are to come to worship not just because they want to come to worship god but because they want to see all their friends mm-hmm. you know and then the out aspect really is the you know the matthew 28 18 you know go ye therefore it's what are we doing as a church to reach people in the community, whether it's your next door neighbor, whether it's sending quilts across the world through Lutheran World Relief, um, you know, ha- opening up the food bank we did to try to serve serve people in the community who are in need of food. So, and it's it was fun to work through the graphics of that. It's just three words. And so one of the really neat things that we've done is we have a, we don't really have a printed order of service, but we have what we call a worship sheet which has the um, theme of, of the Sunday. It has the readings. And on the front, then we have the top five announcements that are all graphic-based. But on each of those announcements, we put either up, in, or out. So they see how everything that we're doing as a church relates to one aspect of that theme. Of course, sometimes it's hard to pick which one because multiples apply. Yeah, you can't put more than one. Yeah, no, it's it's just one, you know, you kind of figure out which one fits the most, but it'll, you know, a Bible study can be up, but it can also be in. But if you're, it could also be out because you're getting the tools to go and evangelize, you mm-hmm. know. So, so that was fun because we did placemats, you know, which describe the, the mission statement. And we did, you know, big six, seven foot banners for the, the uh, narthex. And that's cool. Fun. Mm-hmm. Number seven. We constantly learn new skills and technologies like any office. Now, I don't know if this applies to all congregations. I would hope it kind of does because, you know, technology, if you use it right, is your friend. Mm -hmm. And it's not a church office isn't necessarily separated from technology, even though we're doing hymns that are hundreds of years old and, you know, the Bible is our guide. It's thousands in the faith is thousands of years old. We still need to use technologies to do the job to make our ministry more effective. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I have really dug into because I like to be solving problems creatively. And I get pulled in so many different directions all the time. So when I can use technology to my advantage, I can do more ministry for the church because I'm help letting having the technology help me out with it. So, um, for instance, when I first came to the church I'm at now, we had three different computer programs to man- manage um, membership records. So, and they were all archaic, and we were having to put names and addresses and email addresses into three different places. And it was just so redundant and so cumbersome. So um, the administrator and I did 
a study and we recruited someone from the congregation who was in um, technology. We did a study of all sorts of different software packages out there for membership management. Mm-hmm. And um, that has made a world of difference to have a good, um, and it's a business term, but a CRM, a client relationship management software. That's pretty much what church ma- um, membership databases are. Um, and it just helps so much because then you know you can create a group for which pastors visiting which shut in. And you can keep track of all the membership records and you can, I can attach a funeral bulletin to a member's record. So if someone calls in and, hey, you know, do you have that bulletin from so-and-so's funeral? I can just pull up their record and it's right there. Um, And I use it to communicate out so I can communicate out to specific groups and I can send out my e-news. So that's one example where we took... I, I, we took a cumbersome program, streamlined it, and that's become like the heartbeat software of the church. Do you do you want to shout out what you're using or what your favorite options are for that? Is that? Um, yeah, we had we had started with church windows and church teams, and I forget what the third one was, and they were all cumbersome. But then we went to church community builder. It's not a Lutheran-based thing, um, but we were able to set up each campus as a separate location on it, and I just love the software. We attach photos. We have full group. Um, We can set up lots of different groups, and all the groups can communicate with each other through it. They can store their own files. They can send emails. We can send texts. Um, I can send mass mailings. I, I manage member uh, giving records. So I can send out an email to the membership for their quarterly giving statements, and they can just push a couple buttons and have access to their giving statement. Um, so it's it really has worked out well. And for would that, do you think that would be effective for a smaller church? Um, I think so. I'll, you know, you might not need as robust of a program, especially if you get into as many features. We've got the full version. It can get a little pricey, um, but for us, it's well worth the money at the, as far as the time it saves. You know, I can go into any group, print a birthday list. I could go into any group and print mailing labels, just, you know, push a couple buttons and spit out labels, you know, without having to manage any of that manually. Uh, and and to keep all the names and addresses, you know, as many changes of address that we go through to keep them all in one place and all the groups can have access to updated address lists for their Bible study group or whatever and know that it's going to be the most accurate. Yep. Having one source of truth rather than, oh, I think I saw email from them, you know, yeah. last month or let me check my Excel spreadsheet real quick. Yeah. That's not really the best way to do it. Yeah. Now you mentioned e-news, which I... Always here, every time, as emus like a bird. Yeah, you always tease me. I have to send out the e-news. Oh, the big birds again. Yeah, yeah. No, no. No, we're talking electronic news. Electronic newsletter. And so that's you're sending out like the church newsletter basically every week? Yep. I send out the church newsletter every week. So um, if you know me, I'm I tend to be a technology nerd. Um, I like to figure out ways to do things better with technology. And luckily, when the pandemic hit, we could go 
full remote and still operate as if the church office was in person. And one of the things I used to do a printed monthly newsletter, um, but when the pandemic hit, you know, it was too expensive to do all that mailing and we weren't in the office for a while to get the printing done. So um, the e-news really came in handy. So what I do is I create um, a post, like a blog post. Um, I had designed back in 2013, I had redesigned the website or what the, the website had been hosted offsite by a company. And every time we wanted to put something out on the website, I had to send the graphics, send the text, wait for a company to put it up for us. And it just was not responsive enough. It, we weren't updating enough. Nobody ever went to it. You know, it was just kind of stale, you know, 1999 kind it's, of website. It exists so you can Google and find what time What uh, time the service is. is. And that was about it. Um, just like so, most churches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like most churches. But for us now, I have designed it so that I can send a mail merge out of our church management software. And basically, it's just an email that says, okay, here are the headlines of the different announcements. And if you want to read on them, about them, you just click a button and it goes right to the website and each different announcement is a blog post. So you can see a graphic visually to know what what that announcement's about. You see a real short blurb about what it is and you can click on that to get more information then. And so it's kind of like one-stop shopping all in in one page on the website is where we house our e-news. And so members can go to that at any point and see all of our announcements. And then it coordinates really well with um, the, the church management software. So I have a lot of different forms and things set up where you can look at the church calendar, fill out a form to request an event, and then it kicks off a whole bunch of things where you can get that on the calendar. Or um, you, you can um, sign up to, to attend uh, RSVP for a potluck, for instance. I can send out the announcement. It says potluck. You can give the basics of the announcement. They click on it. You see the full details, and then you can RSVP with a click of a button. Um, so everybody knows, and we send that out once a week. And the only other time we send a mass email to the congregation is for funerals. So one, yeah, one of the things you have to be careful of is you want to make sure you're communicating enough, but you also want to make sure you're not communicating too much because then you get people unsubscribing. Mm-hmm. So by having it all in one place, they get everything they need and at a consistent time once a week. Number six. Church secretaries navigate different congregational structures. Now, different, different structures. What does that mean? Different structures. Okay, so I've been born and raised into churches that have a board structure. So you have a church council and then you have different boards that report up to the church council and committees of those and things. Um, And that's what I've been used to all my life. And there are certain pros to that. There are certain cons to that. But that's a typical traditional church structure. Um, The church where I work is um, a policy-based government structure. So um, rather than having boards and committees, Um, It's an executive committee that the pastor reports to, and that kind of oversees the big picture of the church. 
And it's it's a different kind of structure because instead of necessarily having um, a board of elders that takes care of um, the spiritual care of the congregation kind of as, as an outgrowth of the pastor, there isn't one. So they've kind of invented their own care team. Um, and it kind of ebbs and flows, you know, as far as how active the care team is. Yeah, how, how effective. How the... effective, yeah. Um, a board-based structure, and that, that board of elders also then is more responsible for making sure that they're taking care of the, the spiritual needs of the pastor and of the staff. Mm-hmm. And so in a policy-based governance, um, it's nice. It tends, I would think it tends to work better for a larger congregation because then the staff members help to take care of each other because you don't have that board of elders. So, you know, one pastor can talk to the other and help them and they can cover for each other if they have, um, you know, family situations that arise. If one, one of their parents is ill or, you know, a kid is going through a rough time or something. So we have a bigger staff where we tend to take care of each other in that way. Um, I would think if you wouldn't, if you'd be a small congregation and have policy-based governance, it would be much more difficult for that extra level of spiritual care. Now, do you find if there there are any pitfalls to that policy-based? Um, I think there are some pitfalls to policy-based. I think um, it tends to blur the lines somewhat between. Um, the kingdom of the right and the kingdom of the left, as far as, you know, the kingdom of the right is the spiritual care of a congregation, and the kingdom of the left is more of the day-to-day nuts and bolts administration of the congregation. I think in a policy-based governance, the senior pastor tends to take on more of the administrative side of it, and it gets to be more difficult for him to make sure that he's maintaining a spiritual, what I'll call impartiality, where he's not necessarily so involved in the direction of the church that he's not getting so distracted that he's not approachable by any, by any of the members. So for instance, if he's, if he's really involved in the, the day-to-day business of trying to lead a capital campaign, that takes a lot of time. And Maybe there are some people who aren't in favor of a capital campaign and they don't think we should spend money in it at that point. If he gets too involved in that, then there can be some distance between those members and the pastor. So he's, he, it's more of a balancing act. Um, whereas if you have um, a congregational-based structure, really the congregation, the, the church council has to take over more of the day-to-day running of the business the of the church so you're saying the like business side of it the the policy based one is going to be more I don't, I don't want to say more reliant on the pastor because you know a congregation should be um you know looking to the pastor looking, for yeah. a lot of you know, issues but um it, they're more reliant on the pastor for some of the more non-spiritual things kind I think. of the office versus the man yes right? yes i would say the the office versus the man um it definitely, when you when you start to get a larger congregation, there are some benefits because you can get things done much faster. Um, when you have a small, and I think the executive committee is like seven people, so it's not a very big committee either. Mm-hmm. But you know, you don't have to wait for boards to meet to get approval to do things all the time. 
um, it's it tends to be more efficient time wise, um, and especially then also having a church administrator in the office, it's much more efficient for actually getting work done because um, you can make decisions and roll with them much faster. Mm-hmm. And there's more decisions with a bigger church. Yeah, there is more. There are a lot more decisions with a big church. Um, and whether or not you have a big congregation, I say, I think, or I should say, whether or not you have a policy-based governance versus congregational or a board-based structure, I think one of the things that a larger church can really benefit from, and one thing I personally benefited from being a church secretary, is having an administrator in the office. Because um, there are so many things that go on with a church building. I think that's one of the things also that a lot of members may or may not know how much has to be done to take care of a church building. Mm-hmm. Um and as a church secretary, just running the calendar to make sure all the events are on at the appropriate times and scheduling when are the doors are going to when are the doors going to unlock and lock because we have an electronic door system. Um, when when the the uh, air conditioning is going to be turned on for an event or not, um, you know there there's so many things that go on with a church building. Um, that if you have an administrator on staff, it's really great because that administrator can take care of the building, the IT issues, um, the accounting, you know. Sure. I run payroll, but he's in charge of, you know, all the payables. We've got a, a an accounting firm that we run all our payables through. Um, but, you know, you've got a big budget. He does all the budgeting stuff. Um even just scheduling snow removal and mowing and anything that comes up with the building, the building can be a big drag on a pastor if you don't have a dedicated group of people. Yeah. So if you've got a more board-based structure, then you'd have like the board of trustees that would go and handle all the yeah. building stuff. Right. But they're not necessarily 24-7, you know, yeah. taking care of the building, right? They have They have jobs that's... Right. It's, it's, um, and, and especially in a church like ours, we have two campuses, you know, and we don't have a full-time janitorial person. So we have a service as it does our janitorial. So one of the things I have to do as a church secretary is get all the exact details of every single event down to, you know, how many chairs do you need? What size tables and where do you want them to go? Because our service will come in and do the setup, but I have to have all those resources in the computer system. I have to allocate them all. I have to make sure that and communicate with the setup crews so they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and you've shown me the the system you kind of built into that, and it's it's pretty slick. Yeah, uh, yeah. To to actually have a computer system where, you know, we we had previously had a full time janitor, and that was much easier because I could just talk to him. You just walk in my office, say, hey, we need five tables and, you know, 40 chairs here and we need this there. And that was really easy to communicate. But when we switched to a service, holy moly, did that take a lot more time because then I had to take pictures of all the rooms, come up with a capacity of all the rooms, figure out how many eight foot tables we had and how many chairs we had. And then 
actually take pictures of all the tables and all the chairs so you know which one was which. And then, you know, I actually took a class in in coding HTML5 and CSS3 and kind of jerry-rigged the system behind the scenes so I could put that information in so that our setup crews knew what they were going to look what they're looking for, you know. Mm-hmm. So more complicated than you would imagine, especially the larger the church you're getting. Because in some of the smaller churches, you know, oh, yeah, we're having a meeting, just put up a couple tables, you know. Sure. So. Number five. We're human. We have office conflict, too, but we resolve it differently. So having been involved in the business world before, Mm -hmm. you know, you have conflict with a person. And I would always try to resolve it from a Christian standpoint. But when you have other people of all sorts of different faith or no faith and you have a difficulty, sometimes you just don't have common ground to work from and you try to resolve it as best you can. One of the blessings of working with a church staff is we were Christian. Mm-hmm. We don't always get along. That's it just we're all human and we're not going to be perfect till we get to heaven. But the fact that we are all going to be in heaven together is one of the unifying things to say, okay, you just really teed me off because I needed this bit of information two days ago and you still haven't gotten it to me. Or, you know, just personality conflicts with someone who has a totally different work style. You know, we've had to work through some of these things. But knowing that as Christians, we can get through those and we have a biblical model to get through them and we have a basis to get through them. So, you know, I was having a struggle with um, someone on staff for several years. We just, we did not see eye to eye. I'm a very meticulous person and I'm, I have attention to detail, which is pretty good when you're in the position I'm in to, you know, run a church office. You can't have typos all over the bulletin, but, and I'm very, deadline oriented and to try to work with someone who works better the messier things are you know because she's a really creative person and she's always coming up with the really creative ways and children's ministry and things but she just leaves messes everywhere and she takes over every single nook and cranny of any closet you can find in the whole building and it's a fire hazard trying to get to her office you know (laughs) it's not the easiest to work with but you know when you have that basis you know you can work through these things and you get to know them as people and you understand you have a basic understanding as christians we're all on the same page you're going to be in heaven with me you know it really can make working through situations more difficult And then when I make mistakes, I can apologize. And when you're in a business environment, you apologize when you do something wrong, I would hope. But in working at a church, I do something wrong, I can apologize, and then I hear you're forgiven. That's a huge difference because then I know, okay, I made a mistake but because of the blood of Jesus, my mistake is washed away. Oh, it's gone now. It's gone. And I just start fresh. So, and I, you know, of course, you always want to do your best work and not make mistakes, but we're human. Number four. 
We struggle with work-life balance, especially if we work where we worship. So you've been, you, you do not work where you worship. I do not work where I worship. And I would think sometimes it might be easier but I, to, to actually work where you worship, but I find that that separation is a beautiful thing. Because one of the things I can stress to the audience is try not to bother your church secretary on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. If your church secretary is a member of your congregation, do not ask them for things on a Sunday morning. Because it turns into work. It turns into work, and then they can't worship. Um, so luckily, and and I I wasn't a church secretary ever where I worshipped, but I would I at previous congregations I got so involved in being one of those volunteers that going to church was getting to be going into work, and that's when I knew I had to back off some from some of the boards and committees and volunteer positions I was on because. I needed that time to worship and not walk into a building thinking, oh, I need to talk to so-and-so about preschool board business and, oh, I need to do this and, you know. So leave your secretary on a Sunday morning to worship. Greet them as a human being and as a fellow Christian and don't greet them as the church secretary. So that has worked out really well in the position that I'm in now because I attend worship at one church and I work for another LCMS church. So I know all the ins and outs of LCMS churches, so I'm a good fit, but I can go home and I can go to worship in my own church and I can worship. Mm-hmm. And I can separate my ministries at both places too because the ministry that I would have where I work is a totally different, that's kind of dictated to me what I do. And then the ministry that I have at my home church where I worship is what I decide it to be. So I can get involved in the music or in the life team, you know, and do the things that are close to my heart. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out well. Number three. We cannot do our job alone. So there is kind of a two sides of this one. When I say we cannot do our job alone, first of all, I'm talking about volunteers. Um, Every church relies on volunteers to get the job done because there's too much to do for paid staff. There's too much to do for a pastor alone. You know, unless you're at a small congregation with, you know, 50 members and the pastor can do it all, that's a very rare situation. Mm-hmm. That's very rare. And pastors, even with the small church like that, can get burned out. So volunteers are an essential part of a church office. And I rely on volunteers to help get things done. Um, especially, you know, pre-COVID, I had a team of volunteers that they were in the office. Every single hour, the office was open. Um, our office is open 8 to 4, Monday through Thursday, and I had a team of volunteers that would come in and they would answer phones and they would have um, assigned tasks that they would do for me to try to minimize the cost of administration. So just office volunteers were a big, big part of it. 
um, and helping out. Even, you know, if I wanted to take a vacation day, I needed someone to answer the phone. So the office volunteers would come in and handle that for me. So from an office standpoint, volunteers are fabulous, but also just from every aspect of a church, of a congregation, it you just need people to volunteer and to be quick to do it. Because one of the hardest things of a, of of my job and it's it's frustrating is to try to get people to help with things because you always rely you wind up with a small set of uber volunteers and you try to keep those uber volunteers from getting burned out and unfortunately it happens too often they get way in too far they're responsible for too much and then they just start to burn out i mean you were just saying too that almost happened to you right because you had to take a step back because it yeah. started getting in the way of worship yeah i i had been one of those uber volunteers and at one point i counted there were 11 different jobs i had to do at church this was this was 20 years ago and i had to sit down and it's like i had to actually outline everything that i was doing and prayerfully look through that list and figure out which ones I was going to drop because I was just getting pulled in too deep. Um, and so one of the things I would encourage everybody who's a member of a church, I think everybody who is a member should have at least one job. One thing. One thing. If everybody who is sitting in a pew had one thing to do, it spreads out the work and it gives them a piece of the the life of the church. I think I think it's too easy for people to just come into church, sit in a pew, hear a sermon, sing a couple hymns on a Sunday morning, and go home. You know, toss a few dollars in the offering plate. But if you're invested time-wise in a church, it brings so much more spiritual fulfillment to you and it lightens the load for the paid staff immensely. So I think volunteers are really, really needed. Um, and then the other side of we cannot do our job alone is being a part of a team ministry. Um, you know, being at a bigger church, we have more people on staff. It takes a lot of coordination to put worship together. When you have two campuses two different styles of music. Um, you've got a worship leader with a contemporary band at one. You've got the other campus has traditional for three services and contemporary music for one. You've got three pastors who are all preaching at different locations at the different times. They kind of rotate around. Um, it just takes a lot of coordination and throw in a choir. You know, it takes a lot of coordination to be able to put together everything that needs to go together for worship. Um, honestly, it would be a lot easier if we didn't have two different styles of music. If it were up to me, we'd just have organ and choir and instrumental, mm -hmm. you know, because I think contemporary worship is, it's not my preference for a whole host of reasons. Um, besides which, it just kind of divides up the effort that has to go into worship. It just pulled in so many different directions. Um but to put together a worship service and have everybody be on board with what's going on, um, it takes a lot of work. We have to have spreadsheets to manage all of it, you know. Um, and if people aren't hitting their deadlines, it becomes a problem because you have one admin person who is putting together 
all the slides that go up on the media shop screens in front of worship. You've got lyrics that come in from the choir director and you've got all the the organ music that has to come in and then sermon titles and then sermon notes because all three pastors want sermon notes and some of them put them on the screen while they're preaching they all have notes that go in the worship sheet printed ones that they can hand out that people can fill out um we put the financials the weekly financials in there we put blurbs of all the announcements um the readings there's just so much that goes into that um, it just takes, it, it takes a village. You heard that it takes a village, but it really takes a lot of people when you've got that ministry that's spread out like that. And so everybody has to be dedicated to doing their, their share and getting things in on time for it to run smoothly. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'm sure that everybody deals with, you know, uh, the listener will know Bullhagen isn't maybe the best at deadlines. Yeah. Um, his deadline is Sunday morning, and Sunday morning is when sermons get put to paper. Yeah. No, he he thinks about it, and he says so. You know, he. Oh yeah, I mean, he was telling me this morning. He said, "Yeah, you know, I'll think about my sermon for a couple days. I'm pondering it as I'm, you know, working out or walking the dog or whatever." But he knows that he can focus on it and get it written at five thirty in the morning, and, and it will be done in an hour and a half. And that's the way he does it. That's the way he does it. Yeah. But, you know, if you want your sermon titles to be on the screen and sermon notes up there, and sometimes, you know, like two weeks ago, we had video clips that they wanted to include, you know, so there I am pulling up a big, big video and clipping out a minute and a half exactly where it needs to be and doing that on a couple times so we can get it up on the screens. And, and the AV tech has to know exactly when he's going to refer to that in the sermon. So he starts it on time and stops it when it needs to be and then moves on, you know. There are a lot of things that go into that. So um, it really does, we, I can't do my job alone and none of the church staff, it would be very difficult. So we really have to work together as a team. Number two. You never bother me. And no, that's not you, Peter. Oh, okay. I bother you a lot. No, once in a while. But in general, I'm talking members never bother me. And let me explain that a little bit. Most of the time when someone calls me, who's a member calls me, or they come into the church office, they're always apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry. I hate to bother you. Um, I know you're really busy. Could you maybe just do this for me? I'll come back later if it's too big a deal. I'll, you know, it's like, I really, I appreciate the politeness and I appreciate the thought that goes into, you know, not wanting to disturb my schedule because people know I'm busy, you know, with 1500 members, two campuses, and I'm mainly it for all the, you know, all the day-to-day administration, secretarial stuff. But I am never bothered. I'm never bothered by that for a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, I like to help people. Um, and you're in the wrong profession if you don't want to help people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't ever want to help people, if you don't want to help people, do not be a church secretary. You know, it gets trying at times when you do have things to do and you have someone on the phone who will, you just cannot get off the phone and they're telling you about her, how their dog just went to the vet and how, you know, 
But that's a ministry too. You have to take time to actually listen and love them, even though it's they're not really doing any business with you, but you listen and you love them anyway, mm-hmm. you know. But it never bothers me to help a member. And it never, you know, it it took a while for me to understand my limitations and to understand my schedule. And, you know, by the grace of God, I have learned that I always get everything done. <laughs> you know? You really do sound like a bullhagen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There are, t- there are days and weeks, especially when in, you get into the busy Christmas season, Christmas and Advent, and then... Um, the first of the year, whenever all the activities start kicking up after Christmas break, and then Lent and Easter, those times are really busy. And it sometimes I have to take a deep breath, you know, but I have learned that by God's grace, I do always get everything done. Yep. And that's, Bullhagen has said the exact same thing, I believe, yeah. on the podcast, you know, it, it can get stressful, yes, but it's going to get done. It gets done. And it took me, it took me a couple of years on the job to actually figure that one out. But when I say you never bother me, that is actually one of my selfish tricks to helping get everything done. Because there are so many routines in a church office. You know, well, I know I have to put together the announcement slides for the foyer screen. I know I have to, you know, print so many of the bulletins. I know I have to do this and that. And those are regular everyday things that I do every week and every month. So when a member comes to me with um, something out of the ordinary or something different, I like to attend to those immediately. And I will most times drop everything I'm doing and get that done first. So, and it's kind of a two-edged benefit, you know, two-edged sword or two double-sided benefit, because not only am I making the person who comes to me feel loved by taking care of what they need. But selfishly, I get it done so I won't forget it. Because <laughs> it's those one-off things that are the hardest things to remember. The routine things are the easiest for me to remember. So if I drop everything to do something for a member, I'm helping myself out just as much as I am loving on the person. You know? So coming to me with things is never a bother. Yeah. Do you have some, like, what's your favorite, hey, by the way, can you, that you've ever had? You've got any anything that comes to mind immediately? Um, Well, usually the, the, hey, by the way, can you, are the most off the wall things. <laughs> you know, like, hey, by the way, can you come and, can you go see if the bathroom smells to you? I, <laughs> um, hey, you know, by the way, can you print this really weird size paper or um, do you know where I can find a fire extinguisher or <laughs> <laughs> just about, you know, just in case do you have a fire extinguisher? Yeah, no. yeah. Or, um. You know, I I I, I want to make sure that that person hovering out. You know, it kind of looks like there's there's a pimp on the corner. 
<laughs> Can you? That was that was the latest thing. I see a woman out there on the corner in the median, trying to look like she's begging, but then there's a man hiding in the bushes from a distance. Do you think, can you go look at that and tell me if we think we need to call the police? <laughs> That's been the latest one that was really weird. Wow. It's like, um, yeah, I think we need to call the police to see what's going on with that one, you know? <laughs> so I've called the desk sergeant quite a few times. You guys on a first name basis at this point? Uh, yes. Yeah. Almost. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's scratching over a trinity. Uh, yeah. Um, we had someone come in the building, and we don't know where they went, and there are just two of us ladies here. Can you come and figure it out? <laughs> yep, be happy to. And they sweep the building. <laughs> and number one. It's a ministry. It's not just a job. You know... Pastors have the benefit. Everybody knows a pastor is a minister. That's their job is to take care of people. And that's what a church secretary is in a lot of ways. We're not a called pastor. We're, you know, we do the day-to-day, you know, proofing the bulletin, you know, printing song booklets for the, you know, Christmas carolers and that kind of a thing. But... We also don't get paid a lot of money. I could make a lot more money going out in the regular workforce. But I choose to do this because I think it's it's a ministry for me. Um, I think God has blessed me with a skill set. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do with my English degree. And it's been a perfect thing to do with my English degree. Um, I like to sing. And I'm in choirs. And I've done solos. And that comes in very handy when... I have to put together a bulletin and put the choir lyrics in. They can hand me a piece of music, and I know how to get the lyrics extracted correctly to put in the bulletin. Um, you know, I've ha- I've had to put bow markings into music for the violinists. Um, wow. Yeah, and I've been able to do that, and... Um, I've had to, I've been able, I took Latin in school and I was able to make sure that when you're putting the translation in for the Latin words that the, the choir is singing, I can make sure that the lines are divided up correctly from English to Latin. (laughs) Um, There are so many, you know, and then being, being a pastor's kid and seeing the behind the scenes for what pastors have to deal with on a daily basis. I know what, stresses go into a pastor's life. I know that pastors have to sit at the bedside of people who die. Um, and I know know when a pastor can be disturbed and when they really shouldn't be, you know. So just I think that God has given me a certain skill set that has just been able to fill the needs and fill the position for what it is. So I feel very blessed that I can be in this position working for the church because I really do feel like it's my ministry. So do you, would you recommend the job to other people? (laughs) Um, I would say yes. I think if you, um, have the means to not make as much as the next person in administration, and if you have a heart for people, um, 
And if you're, you know, if you, I, I tend to be a curious person and a problem solver. Those are really good skills. Um, you can be blessed beyond measure by working for the church. So yes, I would, I would recommend it. Great. Yeah. Well, you were worried about not doing well on a podcast. You were nervous. Yeah. I've you had never. to, you had your daughter help you write a top 12 and. This was a fantastic episode. Well, thank you. It's It's been more f- easier to talk than I thought it would be. I told you you'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. Plus, I had, I'm on my fifth cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's the rum. It's having, the rum. Having out-of-town company and din- Thanksgiving dinner for 18 and... You know, having my husband wake up at 3 a.m. with an IT problem that he had to solve and being up in the middle of the night with him trying to get a website updated, I was mm-hmm. tired. So, but having that fifth cup of coffee, it woke me up enough to That's be good. able to talk. <laughs> Plus, you know, being the sister to a pastor, I appreciate what, what Bullhagen does. Mm-hmm. And the last thing he had to do while preparing for a funeral is to do another podcast so I could help him out. All right. Yeah. So... So he he doesn't know, like I said, he doesn't know that we're going to put this out. He He'll be surprised. He'll be surprised. I, we haven't told anybody. Yeah, um, think of it as an, an early Christmas present to my baby brother. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. I'm Peter. And I'm Gretchen. And may the next person you talk to on the phone make you happy. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.